Welcome to another podcast from Best Self Magazine, the leading voice for self-empowerment, holistic health, and authentic living. Hey, Lewis. Hello. Hey, thanks for inviting Best Self Magazine here today in your yeah. home in sunny California. Thanks for, for coming. Really excited to be here, especially yeah. since it's freezing in New York. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that I give you a proper introduction. Cool. So I'm just going to read something for a second, so just bear with me. Okay. Lewis Howes is a New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle entrepreneur. He is also the man behind the mask, mask of masculinity that is, how men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their fullest lives. Lewis is also a rags to riches success story, was once a professional football player whose podcast is one of the top 100 on iTunes, has been recognized by the White House as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under 30, and has danced with Ellen DeGeneres on her show, <laughs> just to name a few of his professional <clears throat> accolades. That said, while he is the master of not only setting goals, but achieving those goals and making millions in the process, there have been times when his internal life didn't match that of the external. Perhaps as they say, all roads have led to here in this space where he has bravely stepped forward, sharing how his own childhood wounds propelled him to spend a lifetime surviving behind protective masks. Today, he has peeled back the layers of his own masks and has a deep desire to show others how to do the same. So I have to tell you, I read this book literally from cover to cover, and it is like music to my, my best self mama to a teenage boy ears. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to make sure everybody knows that this is not just a book for men, but this is a book for anyone who has birthed a man, mm -hmm. uh, loved a man, works with a man, wants to be in a relationship with a man. And I just, let's just start with why this book, why now, mm -hmm. why, uh, why at the, at really at sort of a pinnacle of your success are you diving back into some deep wounds. Mm. I felt like uh, after my last book came out, my, my publisher, my agent was like, let's go do the entrepreneur book. Let's do a business book. You know, your audience wants this. And it just didn't feel right for me. I was going through a transition in my life just before that, a few years ago, where I really was aware of a lot of the things I'd done in my past and how it hurt me and how it affected me and how it affected the world. And now I was becoming aware of it and I was talking more about that. And that was the thing that was bringing me the most joy and fulfillment. So I said, I, I need to do this more than anything. And I don't care if it makes any money. Truth telling. Yeah. I was like, I don't care if it makes money. I don't care if it's how long it takes to do. It took two years of my time and energy taking away from my business essentially. But I was like, this is the message that needs to come out more than anything from me because there's not a lot of, uh, tall, athletic, white, male, straight, jock-looking guys talking about this. Talking it's, about their feelings, about their emotions, about their About wounding, everything, yeah. Right? About, you the know, human experience. About all that and about right. being sexually abused. You know, for me, I was when I was five, I was sexually abused and I talk about it in the book and I've been talking about it for four years now. And I don't see other examples of men that look like me who are opening up about sexual abuse and how it affected every decision of their life from that moment. And one in six men have been sexually abused in their lifetime. Yet you never really hear about men talking about it. 
it's challenging enough for women to talk about it. One in four women have been sexually abused. It's probably more in some other type of form, but it's already challenging for women to open up and talk about it, but you see it more often, right? right? Especially in the Me Too movement, we're seeing it every hour in the news with someone else, but there's not really a lot of, you know, former football jocks talking about their experience and how it affected them and how it still affects them. I felt like it was more of a duty of mine that if I didn't open up about this and start talking and having these conversations and researching it, that I would be doing the world a disservice and myself a disservice. And uh, it became a mission. It just became a mission of how can I create a piece of uh, work that can support men reading it, that can support women reading it, who you know have fathers that maybe were disconnected to them or who mm -hmm. never like showed them affection, to be able to understand why and how to mend those relationships with your partner, with your sons, maybe if your sons are disconnected or don't look you in the eyes, why? Now here's an opportunity that you can communicate in a way that the man who's wearing masks can understand and can connect to and resonate with and have stronger relationships. And so for me, it's all, you know, the key to success and living your best self is the uh, relationships. And the key to successful relationships is vulnerability, is being able to see insights of someone else and say, I can see you, I can understand, I accept you, I acknowledge you. And having that connection, and yet we've lost that art of acknowledgement and connection. And I think that's what's disconnecting so many men in the world from themselves and from other people. Okay, so that was a lot for me to unpack already. You said that was like a treasure trove. There's so much I want to dive into about mm -hmm. what you just said. In the beginning of this book, you started about how you were on a book tour. Yeah. And like literally everybody was like looking at Lewis House. He's got it going on. He's on the New York Times bestseller mm -hmm. list. Life is great. And you were walking around and feeling like crap. You were feeling like mm -hmm. a fraud. Mm -hmm. And so there was something in, in that point that really sort of propelled you yeah. to sort of stop and take a deeper look, right? I realized at that point my whole life was to prove people wrong. I was in the special needs classes in elementary school. I was picked last on sports teams in fourth grade. I was made fun of a lot just for being like tall when everyone else was shorter when I was younger. Just I just felt like I was always made fun of and isolated and alone. And so I became so focused to generate big results and achieve my goals in order to prove people wrong. And it worked. You know, I put these masks on and was so driven to show people what they were wrong about me. And then I would do it and I was like, why am I not feeling good about myself? Why do I not feel fulfilled? I was like, maybe I need a bigger dream. Maybe I need a bigger goal to achieve so I can shove it in their faces even more. Maybe I need to do it for me instead of someone else. Exactly, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I kept doing that. I was like, well, okay, I, I achieved, I was a professional athlete. No one else in my school did that. I proved everyone wrong about me. Okay, I'm going to go build a business and make millions of dollars. I proved everyone wrong that, who said I couldn't do it. I kept going down this path. No one thought that I was going to be a New York Times bestselling author when I almost flunked out of English in high school. I was just with a buddy of mine last night who uh, I went on a college abroad trip to Hawaii with. And he mentioned to me, he goes, you know, I was, he goes, it's amazing to see where you are now. Because I remember when we were in class together and you were a sophomore in high school or in college, that you were reading out loud during the, the class from a book. 
and you were struggling reading the words. Mm. And I remember watching you saying, I can't believe this guy is struggling to read in college. And I always struggled to read and to write and anything. And he goes, it's amazing that now you're a New York Times bestseller. And I go, yeah, because I was so driven to prove people wrong that I could do it. But even hitting that, I remember that day when it happened, I wasn't even that fulfilled. I was happy for a moment, but then I was like, why doesn't it feel good? Why is something off? And that's when I realized my entire life I was doing things to to win and everyone else needed to lose in order for that to happen. Mm. And I wanted to be right and everyone else was going to be wrong. And um, it just was an unfulfilling experience. And then I shifted to saying everything needs to change from here on out. This is when I started opening up about the sexual abuse, when I started to really heal from the past stuff. And I said, from here on out, I'm going to come from a place of win-win with every interaction in my relationships, personal, intimate, business. And I was living the opposite in everything for that. Thank you for courageously coming forward and, mm. and talking about that, because actually the word is rape. You use yeah. the word rape. Um, yeah. And you and I spoke off camera before because I... You know, I found it difficult for myself to bring that word into the mm -hmm. interview when I yeah. was doing my research and writing the notes as a mama, as a human yeah. being. Yeah. And I really applaud you for going back and for revealing that and, you know, creating a safe space for other people to come forward with their wounding, because this is really something that we have to look at collectively as a society, like creating this space where boys are taught that it's okay and it's safe to be vulnerable and to mm. share your emotions. Emotions aren't gender specific. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, I was probably the most sensitive kid, not a long boy, but I was like always crying growing up. I was always sensitive. I was always like afraid, crying, you know, hurting myself and calling out for my mom all the time. And then at some point I was told that's not okay. I was told right. that that's not like manly enough and People didn't want to be around me if I was sensitive. I remember having guy friends on the sports teams and I would just want to like put my arm around them and they'd be like, get off me, you're a fag. Right. You know, so it was just like became unacceptable to like show that you cared about your friends. And so I had to toughen up just to be accepted. And we all want to fit in. We all want to belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if my classmates or my teammates in school don't think that I fit in or don't don't make me belong, then I start to put on masks to say, okay, I'll do whatever it takes for you to accept me. Otherwise, I'm just going to be isolated my whole childhood and not have any friends. So I think early on I was putting on masks to, to feel like I fit in, to feel like I belonged to something. And um, it worked. You know, I got those relationships, I got friendships, but I always felt Something was missing inside. Unfulfilled in a certain yeah. level. When I'm listening to you, I mean, and I know <clears throat> what you have accomplished in your professional life. It's very admirable. You are you are a goal setter, and you have an amazing yeah. capacity to to point your target somewhere, mm -hmm. go for it, and achieve it. And that's a great quality, yeah. right? As long as it's the intention is pure. It, the intention, yeah, yeah. right? So uh, it's it's interesting that Oprah recently said, "What I know for sure." is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Mm -hmm. How crazy is the timing, as you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, with this like hashtag, you know, time's up. And too, with all of the, you know, outing of, of sexual abuse of men in power in, mm -hmm. in Hollywood and in politics. Yeah, it's crazy. But the, the challenge is, as, as wrong as these men are and all the things happening, 
the common denominator is men in all these instances. There's a lot of men who are also being sexually abused that isn't being talked about. Right. Who aren't making these acts on women in Hollywood. A friend of mine just came out yesterday in a People Magazine interview talking about how his first movie, he was sexually abused over and over by the director of the movie when he was 21 years old. And he's lived with this guilt and shame for the last 25 years, feeling wrong about himself and finally starting to talk about it and allowing himself to let it go. Now, he hasn't done anything to hurt other women, but those stories aren't being talked about because there's so much emphasis on all the wrongdoing of men, which is justified to talk about. But right. there are also men who are hurting who have gone through similar experiences. So the beauty of this is it's cracking open a conversation, <clears throat> yeah. right? And it, again, it's not gender specific. It doesn't have to be gender specific. You know, emotions aren't gender specific and neither is abuse, right? right. So we have to really start looking at And this is something you address in the book. Um, which is really the power of language and the power of the terms, the terminology that we've been using. Like you said, things that you may have been told or heard or, or downloaded as a kid, mm -hmm. man up, yeah. get over it, yeah. be a man, mm -hmm. don't be a wuss, yeah. right? All this kind of stuff. Or on the flip side of that, when we say boys will be boys, you right. know, we just chalk it up to biology right. or testosterone, right? Yeah. In the book, you, when you're speaking of yourself, you said, I'm a boy from Ohio. It's a factory farming, football, meat and potatoes kind of place. The way I was taught to deal with my problems was to smash into things as hard as I could on the football field, maybe in the parking lot too, if necessary. Mm -hmm. And you spent a lot of time smashing. Absolutely. Every day, practicing football, basketball, whatever. I was always hitting something. And that was a way, that was an outlet for me <clears throat> to really express myself mm -hmm. because I wasn't allowed to be affectionate. I wasn't allowed to communicate in ways that were expressive. I wasn't allowed to look someone in the eyes and just have a conversation. So for me, it was like, okay, all the things that I want to say and do, now I can let it out on the football field because it's a, a safe space to do that. There's a container that I can do this in every single day to get out this aggression. The challenge is when that container is not there anymore, when there is no more sports, no more football, no more practice, no more games, how do I release it? What do I do? And for a decade, it was like this anger, resentment, passive aggressiveness would come out in other ways because I didn't know how to let it go. So I was like, okay, let me go work out. And then if I wasn't working out, it's like, well, I just need to yell or I need to punch something or ah, I don't know how to express myself. So what do I do? It's not okay to be vulnerable. So I need to express myself with the opposite of that, which is anger, passive aggressiveness. And it's not a healthy way to live life. It's very unhealthy living that way. And it's, uh, you know, I was never able to sleep at night until about four years ago. I would always go to bed and then I would lay there for about an hour, hour and a half. It didn't matter what time it was. I would just lay there and I never understood why I couldn't go to sleep. Um, I would try different things, but nothing would work. And about four years ago, I was able to start falling asleep within minutes. And I would have friends that would just like hit the bed and pass out. Right. I was like, how do you do that? They're like, yeah, I can sleep anywhere in a plane. I can just like, if I close my eyes, I go to sleep. I'm like, how? And then I realized I was just living with such uh, anxiety and I had a lack of inner peace 24 seven, that I was always in stress mode, always anxious. And once I was able to find inner peace, I was able to sleep at night. What was the thing that <clears throat> cracked you open? What was the thing or 
Was it a book? Was it a therapist? Was it, you know, what, what was it that you, you yeah. knew? Like I, I can, I, I want inner peace, whatever yeah. the hell that means. It was a perfect storm of events. And unfortunately I think it takes uh, a major catalyst in our life, especially mm -hmm. if we're someone that wears a lot of masks to finally say, Oh, I'm going to look within and, and be aware of this and start to make some changes. So for me, I had three events that happened around the same time. One was uh, a girlfriend uh, that we broke up and it was a very toxic type of a breakup where I didn't know how to communicate and express myself. So I would take my anger and frustration out on the basketball court or in the gym. I wanted to take it out on her, but I didn't have the emotional courage to communicate how I was feeling. So I just people pleased. I would beat myself up. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I would take my anger out elsewhere. I also had a business partnership, a relationship that was our vision started to go opposite ways. And I didn't know how to communicate what I really wanted. And since I wasn't getting what I wanted, I was just being disconnected and short with him. And it escalated into arguments and, you know, not a happy ending in our business partnership. And then there's all this anger. I was taking it out on the basketball court because I needed an outlet to express myself. Almost every time I would go play basketball, I would f pick a fight. I would argue, I would talk back. I was like looking for someone to who wanted to fight me. I was instigating it because I just w I didn't know how else to get that expression out. And one of these games, a guy ended up headbutting me, which gave me the okay that I could hit him back. And we got in a brawl mm -hmm. on the basketball court. And I remember at the end of this fight, I looked at him and I could barely recognize his face. And I was, I started to shake. The police department was right across the street from this outdoor court down the way. And I remember like, it all hit me. I was like, I could lose everything. I'm 30 years old. I just did this, 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 my business. Like everything has been going well for me. And yet I could lose everything if something happens from this. Mm -hmm. And I remember running back to my place here, looking in the mirror, shaking, trembling. It's like an out of body experience. I was just like looking at myself. I was like, who are you? What are you doing? Like. Why did you do this? Why are you reacting this way all the time? It finally hit me and I was like, the, the relationship breakup, the business partnership breakup, this fight, I was like, everything else seems like it's going well in my life, but how come I'm not You're going like, well? What's the common so, denominator here? Exactly. I'm like, why am right. I constantly this way? Why am I reacting? Why am I angry? Why? What is it? I didn't know what it was. And so I started getting support from some friends. I was going to therapists and talking to them. I was reading books and I was going to different workshops. I was like, I'll try anything. But my ego was still in the way. I was like, I don't know. I think this is just maybe who I am. And it's just like, I don't know. People aren't going to understand me and I'm probably not going to understand myself. And don't play basketball with me. <laughs> exactly. I stopped playing for a while. But one of the workshops I went to really got me to dive in deep emotionally. It was an emotional intelligence workshop and it was just a lot of people opening up about their past and things that were going on. And there's a key word you said, opening up. Yeah, opening up for sure. Everyone was opening up. Being vulnerable in that safe container. Mm -hmm. That's it. I had a container. I had context. People were opening up and, and sharing things, which made it safer for me to be like, huh, maybe I can share something as well. Yeah, maybe I'm not the only one. Exactly. There was one part in this workshop it was a five day workshop and day three, the facilitator trainer said, okay, we've, we've talked about things from their past. We've talked about, you know, parents and relationship past and everything else from your past with everyone. It was about 60 people in the group. And, um, 
now we're moving forward. We're getting clear on your vision for what you want moving forward in your life. You know, it was like a best self type of experience, right? right? It's like, what is the life you want to live moving forward? It's hard to live that life unless we address things that have been holding us back. So if there's anything that you guys haven't shared that you need to share that you've been holding back, like now is the time or forever hold your peace type of a moment. And in my mind, I'm going through, you know, I talked about my parents going through divorce and like being like the, the youngest child and feeling neglected. I talked about all that. I talked about my brother who went to prison for four and a half years and me not having any friends during that time because none of the neighborhood parents would allow their kids to hang out with me during that time because they thought I was going to be bad. I talked about being picked on, you know, feeling insecure in school. I talked about all these things. And then that moment of, what about the time I was raped and sexually abused? Hmm, how come I've never talked about this? Like, why have I never opened up about this? What have I been holding on to? What is this shame and guilt that I've been holding on to? And I think I just, I was just like, I need to say this now. Otherwise, I'll probably never talk about it in my life. I was 30 years old at that time. And I was like, I'll probably never share this in my mind. So I just stood up and walked in front of the room and told the whole story from like I was in the moment and just reenacted the whole story. Bravo. Yeah, and it was, uh, and then I sat down afterwards. And I remember during that moment, I couldn't look anyone in the eyes. I just looked down at the ground the entire time and like just reenacted and, and told the story. And then I sat down and erupted with tears. I just bawled. I feel like erupting. <laughs> I just bawled and bawled and bawled. And... I remember like there was two women on each side of me who were just like hugging me. They were crying and I was just kind of ashamed and embarrassed. So I ran out of the room and just got some fresh air outside of the, this conference room. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. What happened next within a few minutes, all the men from that room came up to me outside and like gave me a huge hug, looked me in the eyes and just said that I was their hero. And they were like, you're so courageous. And I've held on to this secret that I've never told anyone. And I was sexually abused when I was this young, you know, and I haven't said it to anyone. And, and I was like, what? That's when I realized like so many other men have gone through some type of shame or insecurity, whether it be sexual abuse or just something that they're ashamed of that they've never told people. And carried their whole lives. Carried their whole lives. Something. And... I realized, I was like, wow, okay. So the thing that I was most afraid of, me talking about, these other people in the group were like, I've been judging you and now I trust you fully and I'll follow you anywhere. They were saying these things to me and I was like, what? My biggest fear of what having people know about me actually was my greatest strength. Right. And people now were like, what can I do for you? I want to support you. I will, like, let's get this message, like anything. And it was crazy. And they, they all said, uh, you know, you got to share this with your family. And I was like, no way. Like, this is a safe space in this workshop. Your family right? didn't know? No one knew. No one knew. Girlfriends, family, no one knew. And after that, I, I started sharing one by one with my family. That was terrifying. At five years old, you never told never anyone? Never told anyone. No. Yeah. It was terrifying. <gasps> There's no hotline when you're five that says... Were you told not to tell anyone? No. No. It was just like... I guess an innate feeling of like, 
no one can know. Or an innate feeling that this is wrong, this I is bad, wrong. it must be yeah. my fault, yeah. and if I don't talk about it, it'll go away. I just don't think I had the emotional capacity to be like, oh, I should go tell my mom that this happened, because I, I don't know. There was no really conversation between my parents or like at school or class. It's like, if someone does this, here's what to do. Right. There's no education around right. this. Right. And it wasn't until I was about 11, 12, or 13 when... I realized, oh, how messed up it actually was. Like I always had the vision in my mind of that day. Even right now, I can remember exactly what happened. And it was kind of like a bad dream that would just always reoccur. Like every few days, like just would flash. And you wonder why you weren't sleeping. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was just like, there was no context to share with anyone. I didn't know how to, there was no Nothing. So as you say in the book, men don't have this vocabulary to talk mm. to each other. Yeah, I think, you know, growing up, we're, we're conditioned by our environment and our experiences and the people we surround ourselves with. So for me, growing up, I was very conflicted. And, you know, my parents encouraged me to express myself. But then at school, my friends said it wasn't okay. So to go in and be like, Say that you love your friend or that you're, yeah. you want to, you know, whatever. Just it's like, like put express your hand, yourself, yeah, but yeah. not that much. Yeah. Or that you just like put your hand on a guy's shoulder right. or you like right. want to give him a hug or this. It was always like, get off me. You know, every time I wanted to give Which a Which is so a funny hug. that that's your natural inclination, that you're like a hugger and Absolutely. that you wanted yeah. to, but you're like this be, big. People would be like, get off me. What are you gay? What are you right. fag? And so I was like, right. well, is that bad? Is that wrong? Is that, you know? Right. And then I was like, well, this is something that's happened to me by a man. So am I wrong for that? Because all my friends were saying that like, don't do this, don't touch me, whatever. And so it's just like, well, why would I ever tell anyone what happened to me if just putting my hand on someone makes me wrong, you know, as like a friend. So that's an early download, like absolutely. It was danger. Just, yeah, absolutely. And um, so I just decided that I was going to become as big and strong as possible so that no one could ever, I could always defend myself in any situation. And that was, became my vocabulary. It was just like, I'm going to defend myself at all costs, physically, emotionally, mentally. If anyone tried to verbally attack me, I would defend myself and never let anyone hurt me or attack me. And it became an issue online. You know, once I started to build my business, people would send like nasty tweets about me or like critique me or whatever. And I was like, I had to have like a raging like text conversation on Twitter with them and, to defend myself. And it never did me any good. Those reactions never supported my best self and the vision for my life, and it didn't bring me inner peace. So every day I was just like trying to defend myself all the time, and it left me with a sense of anxiety. And like that, perpetual motion. Constantly. Just, yeah. And it was always like wanting to get back at them and like find a way to make them wrong. And, and so it wasn't until about four years ago when I realized, wow, this has just been hurting me my entire life, and I can't live this way anymore. Otherwise, it's not going to help me become my best self. It's going to hurt me. It's like redefining what it is to win. Absolutely. And right. I realized that it doesn't matter if I win alone anymore. You know, being the winner on an island by myself is very lonely and isolating. So I decided that anything I do, everyone else must win around me. Otherwise, I'm, it's not a win for me. So how can I win how can the people around me and the world win? Going back to this, this is a wonderful notion of these masks that we wear. And, and in the book, you say something about how, you know, they can almost become fused to our faces uh -huh. where we don't even know 
where does the man start and the mass yeah, start and, exactly. and how do we peel them off? Um, you said in the book, remember those boxes we stuffed our emotions into when we were younger. As we outgrew the boxes, they transformed into masks that hold us back and hurt our friends, family, career partners, and intimate lovers. Yeah. So when did this like make sense in your own life? And when did you start to realize, or like, where, when did you come up with this metaphor that, you know, this, these suppressed wounds and emotions are being hidden behind mm-hmm. a mask? I just think I, I don't know. I also think in terms of marketing and packaging ideas, like what's an idea that someone can understand. And I realized that I was never fully showing my true self. And I was always hiding behind something else to prove a point to fit in. And I was like, man, I've just been hiding behind like this armor, these masks. And I realized like, wow, throughout my whole life, I've worn these different types of masks, these portrayals of what I wanted people to accept me as in order to fit in. Early on, it was sports. I was wearing the athlete mask. That's what gave me self-worth. When I achieved results, when I won, when I got picked first, that gave me self-worth. So that athlete mask was my identity to bring more self-worth in my life. When that ended and I started uh, building my business, I was like, hmm, I have no more identity. No one accepts me as an athlete anymore because I can't perform on the field. I got to get me a new mask. So I don't have any self-worth. <laughs> right. So what's the thing that's going to make me accepted in the next phase of my life? Lots of money. Let me put on the material mask and show people how much I can make and how successful I am in business. And my net worth uh, became directly correlated to my self-worth. Mm-hmm. The more money I made, it was like feeding my self-worth. If anything went wrong in business, it was like an attack on my self-worth. One of the reasons our business partnership didn't work out is because like, if I felt like he was doing anything to hurt our business, it was like an attack on me and myself. Everything was personal. Everything was personal. You know, the sexual mask was like the phase of my life where I wanted to conquer every woman that I met. I just want to make sure everybody knows, because I love the way you um, divided this book up. You Mm -hmm. discuss this notion of nine masks. Uh The stoic mask, the athletic mask, the material mask, the sexual mask, the aggressive mask. You you checked a few of those out. The joker mask, the invincible mask, the know-it-all mask, and the alpha mask. Mm -hmm. What's wonderful about the way you've organized this is that you take us through the definition of what that mask is, but then you you give some tangible, like tactical uh, tools mm-hmm. for the mask wear. You know, hey, try this. Yeah. And and if you can free yourself from this mask, this is what, you know, this is what what you have, what you can avail yourself exactly. of. And also, what I for totally love is the yeah, part yeah. about women. So talk about that for a second. So I wanted the book, you know, as I was doing research and interviewing a lot of psychologists who were actually the real experts, it was just my, me going through my experience and saying why, I was just wanted to know more why on the research. I realized that I wanted to give men more uh, actionable steps on how they could, some simple things they could do to start taking off the mask to, to see what's available on the other side, based on what these psychologists were telling me. Then I said, well, the real power is in relationships. You know, if women who have fathers, husbands, boyfriends, sons, brothers, uncles, who will feel disconnected in some way, or something's not working, the real power comes from women when they can connect to the man in their life that they've been disconnected to. And finally mend that relationship by not making men wrong or telling them they need to change or telling them something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. 
but shifting their energy so slightly to be able to resonate and connect with a man who might be wearing that mask. And the perspective of how they're reading something. Exactly. Right? Yeah, but just coming from a place of, if you can see that the man in your life is always coming from the Joker mask, right? If he's always making a joke and everything's gotta be funny, he can never be serious for just a moment. In any vulnerable situation, he tells a joke. There's something beneath that. Now, there's nothing wrong with being funny a lot of the time, but if you can never go there into like a, a normal, vulnerable, or serious moment, then something's beneath that. There's some type of wound. And when you can understand what that is around that specific mask, then you can speak to the heart of the matter and connect and resonate in a way that he's maybe never felt. And when he feels that, he can feel a little bit safer to say, you know what, maybe I don't need to tell a joke every 10 seconds. And I can just look you in the eyes and just have a normal conversation. It's like having, it's like like being in that space where you were able to tell the truth about the Absolutely, right. yeah. It's so creating, it's like creating that. Creating a context right. in that environment, in that relationship. That's what I wanted to be able to help women do as well. Just give some practical things they could try. Let's be clear. It's not about putting up with anybody's crap. <laughs> it's no. about... It's not about allowing about, someone to walk all over you. Right. And like, yeah. It's about loving someone and saying like, okay... I'm going to support you through this because there's wounding underneath this behavior, yeah. right? It's, yeah, just, it's really just about um, a shift in the semantics. Yeah, a shift in the conversation. So let's go back to, again, your masks. What? I mean, all of them. Okay, well, you know, I've, check, won, check. I've worn them all. So, and, I, and I wear them all still at different stages okay. or different times of the day. But I'm, I'm much more aware of them when they happen or... You know, I'll recognize it through something with my team or my family or my girlfriend. I'll recognize it like, oh, okay, I'm wearing a mask right now. Or I'm just not being my authentic self. You know, right. I'm just not. I'm just doing that again. But you yeah. have the tools. But, I, but I'm so much more aware that I can shift out of it or I can own up to it or I can apologize and take responsibility for it and move forward. So it's a constant practice for me. You know, they say that people write about the things they need the most for themselves. So that's what best self is exactly, all about. It's right? my on the job training. Yeah. And so for me, it's a, it's a daily reminder. It's a daily practice. And I think, you know, I've been conditioned 30 years of my life to be a certain way. It takes some time to fully uncondition that and recondition to something else. Mm -hmm. So I'm just constantly being intentional in my mornings. When I wake up, I'm really meditating and visualizing the version of myself. I want to be that day. And I go through all the situations in my day that could happen. If I'm driving to a meeting that day, if someone cuts me off, do I want to respond with anger and trying to like go in front of that person and flip them off and scream at them like I used to do You've all the time? You've done that. Been there, done that. Been there, right? been there, done that many times. Uh, I almost got to the point where I almost got out of my car and got in a fight one time. I believe you. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, I go through all these situations. You know, if my team drops the ball, do I want to like scream and yell or do I want to come from compassion or love or just like a calm conversation if someone cuts me off if my girlfriend does something if something triggers me in any part of my life how do I want to respond what would my best self respond as and I imagine and visualize creating that response before it actually happens and that practice for me every single day really allows me to let go of those masks in a better way I still make mistakes I'm a human I you know I'm messing up all the time but I'm constantly practicing that and trying to be better. You know, these emotions, they can only be suppressed for so long mm. and they're going to come out. Some way. But what I, what I also really appreciated that you said in the book is that 
it takes time, mm-hmm. you know, and also sort of love yourself through that process. Like yeah. you carried that burden for such a long time, mm-hmm. the unnecessary burden of, of an event that took place when you were right. five years old right. throughout your whole life. It must have been like the most enormous relief to lay that down. The freedom. I never felt freedom in my life. And, and, I- and so is the freedom of owning what's going on. Mm-hmm apologizing, yeah. apologizing to the people that you, you know, your team. I mean, you know, right. like if you're going to start screaming at someone in the car or screaming at your team or yeah, I mean, I don't really it's just going to be a mess. Right? I don't really scream anymore, but I'm right. just making an example. Right, exactly. But I used to, you know, years ago, I used to scream at just a lot of stuff because I didn't know how to express myself. Right. And now. And when I say you, I also yeah, mean yeah. like Anyone. you, meaning yeah, us, yeah. right? Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's powerful when we're aware. And listen, the crazy thing, when I started opening up about you know, all the trauma and things that I went through, I realized that so many other men have gone through way more. They started emailing me and sending me essays of the things they went through that made my experiences look like a Disney movie. Now, I'm not trying to compare and say they had it worse or whatever, but I'm just saying that there are so many people in the world who have had it much more challenging, you know, who have had much less than me and had harder experiences to go through. And so I'm also grateful for the things I do have and the experiences I did have. And I try to really reflect on the good all the time. And even though my inner world was suffering from these experiences, there's still a lot of great things happening that I reflect on and I'm grateful for. And I use that those moments of vulnerability as just part of my story now. And it's a constant healing process, but it doesn't own me anymore. Where I think a lot of men who aren't willing to communicate about the things that have happened to them, mm-hmm. even to a therapist, even to a counselor, to their spouse, to one friend, it doesn't have to be to the world. But if you can't share the things you're most afraid of with at least one person, even in confidence or priests, I don't care who you talk about it to, then that situation has power over you still. And you're unable to be fully free until those moments of your past don't own you anymore. I'm going to go back to that place of inner peace that you were talking about. So for me, I've realized that what are the things in my life that still have power over me? I need to talk about them. I need to address them. I need to be able to have a conversation like this without stuttering and quivering my lip and sweating and heart palpitating, knowing that I'm going to talk about sexual abuse. That used to be when I first started talking about it. I was stuttering. I was scared. I was nervous still. Now I can talk about it calmly because that situation doesn't have power over me anymore. And I think that's what gives me a lot more inner peace. Mm. You know, I'm not afraid of what someone thinks about me anymore because of them knowing this. And I mean, it's not that I would say I I believe um, that everything happens for a reason, but... You and I were also speaking earlier about your career as a professional, you know, playing professional yeah, football yeah, and yeah. and then an injury and how that, you know, changes the trajectory of something in your Absolutely. life. But, you know, and I immediately what came to me is that, you know, because you weren't supposed to do that, you were mm-hmm. supposed to be here right. in this moment sharing that story right. and helping and, you know, really shifting a conversation like this is a paradigm shift. We are in a time and a place where people are getting real. Yeah. Right. We're getting real that we have to. We're we're entrepreneurs. We're creating different ways to enmesh like our business and our personal lives. And we want to live on a different level and mm-hmm. want to create on a different level. Right. What is your definition now of a real man? A man who lives in service, service to his dreams and service to the world. I think. uh the, the best thing you can do is 
love yourself fully and love your dreams. Because without those dreams and the pursuit of those dreams, you're living a subpar life and you're doing a disservice to those around you by not living your fullest life. Mm. And in that pursuit of your dreams and that self-love, also how can I give back and be of service to the most people around me? I think that's a real man. What would you say now to that little boy, that little five-year-old, you know, who, who went through all that, who bared that burden, who was teased, mm-hmm. who didn't think he was smart because other people told him he wasn't? And what would you tell him now? Hmm. I would tell him it's all going to work out, um, to be patient and to be courageous, to, you know, talk to your parents about what you're going through, to express yourself and to not beat yourself up so much. I mean, every day I was beating myself up that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't smart enough. I was constantly beating myself up. I mean, all the time I would get in trouble in the principal's office and I would just say, I wish I were dead to the principal. I would just say, I wish I were dead. I wish I wasn't here. So let's say, you know, your life has a purpose. You have a meaning for being here. You it's did, not your fault. Yeah, it's not my fault. Just give him a hug. You know, yeah. give him a hug. I can't help but, you know, be the mama here right. listening to you and thinking about this and thinking about how, you know, we all play a role in this and how we all have to check in on our mm-hmm biases and our conversation, our terminology yeah. and our words. And the world is shifting. But, you know, imagine a place now where, you know, little girls can be fierce mm-hmm. and little boys can cry and this can change in schools and kids can meditate mm-hmm. and, you know, they can do EFT if they're stressed, you know, right. emotional freedom technique if they're, you know, tapping, if they're uh, stressed in school. I mean, what would you like to see now with with children yeah i mean i think meditation for sure if i would have had meditation i think my life would be transformed at an earlier age but i think just open circle conversations with with young boys and girls together talking about different issues in school we never had that where it was like let's talk about and address these things in a in a circle right with a facilitator not making people wrong or shaming people but i think it was just like everything was embarrassing you know growing up it was like you were always made fun of for something so i don't even know if that's possible but if that was possible i think that'd be a beautiful thing i'm going to even go out on a limb now and say how would you handle it with your children Hmm. every night i would have a conversation of just like uh empowering them encouraging them to express themselves and or at least with me you know tell me how you're feeling tell me what's going on you know, and also being vulnerable and opening up to them because I, I think you can't get people to open up unless you're willing to do it first. Right. So maybe I would be saying, you know, this is what I've been going through today and I've been having a challenge with this and this or I was insecure about good this. Point. And saying, is there anything that you felt today during class or with other friends that made you feel something similar or different? But I think I would need to set the example and not be like, I have all the answers. I figured it out. Tell right. me what's going on. But more... Here's what I'm going through. That is such a good point. I'm really glad that you said that yeah. because the truth is that uh, it's, you know, at least when, when I was growing up, it's like our parents didn't really show those emotions mm-hmm. to us. So that when we did witness something, it was frightening. It was like, oh, my mom's a human being. Right. Like she's got And that's scary. Yeah. It's right? Like, oh. Exactly. Exactly. I want to thank you 
again for, you know, not only writing this book, but and celebrating the voices of many, many men that um, share their stories in here. Men that have helped you and also men that have just shared their own experiences because this is how we shift the conversation mm -hmm. and this is how the unmasking begins. Right. So thank you for being on the forefront of that and being open-hearted enough to come forth with this story and to share it because again, it's going to crack a big mm -hmm. hole open yeah. and create a safe space for others to mm -hmm. do the same. Yeah. And that's how we shift the world one one unmasking at a time. That's it. Right? That's it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Learn more at bestselfmedia.com.